Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Amen. Praise the Lord. So I salute each and every one with the honorable and the blessing words of grace, mercy, and peace. May they be multiplied unto you this day. We welcome you to The Voice. And for those who may not know, as well as those who do, the purpose of The Voice is to speak and declare unto you why you believe what you believe and why you do what you do. Some may say this sounds repetitious, but according to the word of the Lord, a declaration, declaring a thing, means to repeat it, to recite it, to exercise it, in order for it to not only root itself in, but for it to come into fruition based upon it being spoken. Amen. So I, I speak this each and every time. So none who participate lose sight of the purpose and the function of what the voice is and as the lord has given me insight to conduct a voice he says my people need to have time to be taught it's a blessing to have worship services a blessing uh, to have every other event or so that we do but sometimes people need to be real disciples and as i say real disciples disciples is really the term that means students so in that, if we're going to be astute to the word of the Lord, then we have to also humble ourselves to the opportunities that we're given in order to be students unto his word. Amen. So just as much as I believe uh, me being a student unto him, uh, it is just an honor and a privilege to share what the Lord has given me in order to give it to you and expand and hopefully grow your understanding of his word. Amen. So, so in that on today, we pick up really with part three of the subject that we're on trajectory with. And the subject that I'm referring to, especially if there's new listeners, is we are dissecting the purpose of divine character. The purpose of divine character. Because, see, uh, it, it's uh, something that is very important that we as a believer aren't just talking a good game, but we're living a good game. Amen. And as I say, that character, for some that may not know, drives people's lifestyle. When you really think about it, your character speaks to other people who you are and what you're really about. And see, if we as believers have not rooted ourselves in the character of God, it becomes an indictment against the kingdom for us to declare that we are the children of God, but yet we don't have no character of him. You think about it, for some that are listening to me that have been blessed with family members, for those that have children and those that may not have had children, but yet are a child of somebody, isn't it interesting that people will say, I can see your daddy or your mama in you. Uh, and, and, and it speaks to the fact that there's something of resemblance of their character that you pick up as a trait and continue to live out. So if that be the case, then 
uh, as I as I, I make my case for the Lord regarding character, then it means if I plan to declare to people that the Lord God is my father, then I should be looking for his characteristics. I should be saying that, man, I want to be like my daddy. And if I want to be like my daddy, what is it about your daddy that you want to be like? I hope I'm making sense and resonating with someone right now. Because, see, being like your father, i.e., the Lord God, is not quantified by the actions that you do. It's quantified by the character that you live. Because right now, in these earthen vessels that we're in, we are not omnipresent. We're not omnipotent. We're only a minuscule piece of the Lord God. But in that, he has a vast range as we're looking, according to scripture, of different attributes that are associated with his character. And when we begin to take the time to look at the character of God that's emulated through his word, imagine what greater place will be because those things of his characteristic that you begin to meditate on and begin to apply to your life. Watch this. You will stop being you and you'll start being him. You will lose you, but find him within yourself. And so I say that as a charge to those that are listening. Even if you get past me as the instrument that's instructing on his behalf, but yet listen to the spirit of what I'm teaching or saying to carry you to a greater place. This is a time that we should be, Lord God, I, I want to be like you. And if we're saying I want to be like you, the, the thing of us being like him is us taking on the characteristics of him to be like him. Amen. So, so in that, once again, today is part three of this series of the purpose of divine character. And for those who've been a part of part one and part two, I reiterate the foundation scripture that I stated to keep us with the harmony line of the teaching. And the foundation scripture that I gave was Proverbs 22, 22.1, excuse me. And what it says in uh, the King James Version, it says, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. In that, once again, as I stated in the beginning of this series, what the scripture is really talking about when it says a good name is it's speaking towards character, beneficial or helpful character, positive character that is associated with the Lord because Keep in mind, this, you're not getting this out of a book out of Walden Brooks. You're not getting this out of uh, 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 some bookstore. This is contained within the scriptures that we believe are endorsed by the Spirit of the Lord. So then if the Bible is telling you in the book of Proverbs, which is something that should be towards your good health and your prosperity of being a human being existing in this temporary world, then this is something that is being spoken to speak to your spiritual man in order to edify you for the greater good of the kingdom. So notice, once again, it says a good name or a beneficial name or character 
is to be chosen, meaning I want to be tested. I want to be proven towards having a good character in my life, i.e. the character of the Lord, versus great riches. There's, there's nothing that you can buy and there's no amount of money that you can possess that will ever uh, amount to the greatness of who you are based on the character that you display. Let me say that and see that should be a motivator for somebody that's listening because whether the rest of the world accepts you or allows you to sit at the table because of what you got or what you don't have, one of the greatest things of the greatest table that you can sit at is the Lord God's based on your character because he says, I allow you to sit in my presence because you look like me. And when you look at like me, you always have access to being with me because I like being around me. Amen. So, so somebody can probably high five themselves in the Holy Ghost right now. If that's a cheering moment for you that, you know, regardless of what everybody else thinks about me, the thought that they should have at the end of the day is if I have an honorable character, regardless of what I do, what I don't do, what I have, what I don't have. But yet my character speaks the value of who I am in the earth as well as in celestial places, i.e. the kingdom. Amen. So in that, in that, in saying that to set the platform as we continue in teaching on today, uh, as I said in part one and part two, we're still answering one question. Uh, and the question is, what is divine character? Amen. We looked at divine character, or should I say this question by having the answer to state that divine character first begins with us understanding what is the divine nature of God. Amen. And as I say that, that can be an interchangeable term, character and nature, because what, what, what really happens here, as I said, I think in the previous teaching, I had a default word to say because in most instances, we get into our flesh. Uh, and when we get into our flesh or our carnal self, we look at it being our carnal nature. Amen. But see, as I am talking in the spirit to you in this teaching, then when we're talking the nature of the Lord God or the character of the Lord God, what makes it now become the nature of you that you now own is when it becomes natural for you. Listen, anything, anything of nature, when we use that term, when we get down to the root of it, it's what's natural. And so in that, our human flesh is natural to us because we're born into it without a cognitive mind about spiritual things. Until someone introduces you to the Lord, even as a young child, you are still carnal minded or natural minded to things that have no spiritual uh, uh, direction to it. But it's when you're introduced to the Lord that now what is natural for you has the ability to be shifted to spiritual places. So as a spiritual individual, his character can be natural to you just as much as, if not greater than, what the world has unfortunately conditioned you to absent of his character. Hope I'm making sense. So in stating that, in stating that, 
Let us continue to look at the nature of God. Amen. The nature of the Lord God or his basic characteristics. One thing that I stated uh, as well in the previous teaching was living the word of God and worshiping him, serving him. Uh, uh, these things are, are characteristics that yoke us to his nature. Love was something that yokes us to his nature. Uh, being sovereign, having authority yokes us to his nature. But see, even these that I've mentioned that I touched on the last time, not, not in your carnal mind, but in your spiritual mind. These are things that are associated with his character. It's just the fact that, unfortunately, the world has prostituted these things. Notice everything that I've, I've mentioned, you will find a version of it in the natural whether we're talking about false gods, pagan gods, or even our own self. People want to be worshipped. People want to be served. People want to live. People get tempted. Uh, people have a form of love, but not godly love. And people have a mindset that they want to be sovereign. They want to have authority. But yet, if, if, if you are uh, uh, ignorant of the character of God behind these things, then what happens, those are only temporal versions of worldly characteristics that do you no good for eternal living. Amen? So now, in continuation, in continuation to this subject of teaching that I want to... Uh, continue down this road and hopefully bless some people in, in some new areas regarding the character of God. Another significant element of his character or his nature that we should be familiar with and look to adopt as who we are is righteousness. Amen. For those that have the word of the Lord with them and able to uh, go on this journey with me, when we turn to the book of Ezra, chapter 9, verse 15, the scripture says, and I'm reading to you from the King James Version, it says, O Lord God of Israel, thou art righteous. All right, it makes a bold statement. It says, the Lord God, not, and, and not to confuse this, it says, O Lord God, who is of Israel. So we're not talking about little gods. We're not talking about lower level Elohim. We're not talking about pagan gods. We're talking about the one true living God, the supreme God, the, 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 the God of all hosts. The scripture says, O Lord God of Israel, thou art, meaning it's not a question. It's something that is self-evident within his character or his nature that he is righteous. And, and what's interesting, the prophet says, for we remain yet escaped as it is this day. Behold, we are before thee in our trespass, for we cannot stand before thee because of this. Now, I read the rest of the verse to you for you to capture this revelation of understanding. What Ezra articulates here as God being righteous, he's able to compare man in his unrighteousness to the righteousness of the God to show the difference. Are, are, are y'all really gravitating to what I'm saying? The reason he says God is righteous is because when he looks to his left and his right and he assesses himself and he assesses other human beings, 
we operate and live in unrighteousness because we are the created, not the creator. And in understanding that, he says, Lord God, you are righteous. Now, the Hebrew word for righteous that's being used here is Sadiq. And Sadiq, watch this, means lawful or justified uh, uh, in the context of its meaning. So it's not just a term that is saying, Lord God, you are without error or without flaw. It also articulates the fact that the Lord God is the standard of what justice or lawfulness is being measured to. So now, think about that for a minute. As everybody is listening to me, if the Lord God has the characteristic of being uh, uh, righteous, his characteristic is to be the standard of what's justified and what's lawful. So now, that should speak to us as a believer, as we're looking at the character or the nature of the Lord God, that is something else we should be striving for. See, it's, it's as I say, an indictment against the kingdom where can't nobody compare anything of justice to you. you it, it's something when no one can look to you to be a real standard. So the Lord God, if we're taking on his character, that means we are also under the responsibility to represent the standard of what he represents when we declare that we are to be righteous. This is, this is, this is what his righteousness is about. So understand that in character. Let me touch something else as, as, as we're still on this. If I can carry you to another scripture regarding his righteousness. Go with me to the book of Psalms. And in Psalms 116, verse 5. Watch this. In Psalms 116, verse 5. Still talking about the nature or character of the Lord God being righteous. Here's what the writer says. He says, gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. So the writer tells you, even as a conjunction, not only is the Lord God a representative of grace, or divine influence that produces unmerited favor in one's life when they listen to him, the divine influence that he has on one's life also yokes itself to driving them in the direction of his character of righteousness, being lawful, being justified. This is in the nature of the Lord God. Let me give you something else that we can speak to regarding his nature that we have to be able to identify and assess so that we can begin to adopt it for our life. Another characteristic of his nature is about being holy. Holy. 
Now, for those of you that have the word with you, turn with me to Luke chapter 1. And in Luke chapter 1, and we're looking at verse 49. The scripture says, For he that is mighty hath done to me great things. And holy is his name. Now listen, listen, listen to what this one particular verse says. It says he's done mighty great things. But watch this. It says holy is his name. Now remember our subject is about the character of God. Which means it's about the name of God. And the scripture says, holy is his character. Now, what are we saying as to the nature of God when it declares that his name or his character is holy? Well, the Greek word for holy that's used here is hagios. And hagios means sacred. But it's in the context, watch this, of being consecrated or separated. Okay, so now listen, listen, listen to what I'm really trying to get to you in this teaching. When it comes to us looking at the character of the Lord God being holy, it really implies he's exclusive. Because to consecrate means to separate. And to separate, the purpose of separation is in, only to in order to make sacred or holy. Excuse me. So, so to make sacred or holy, it requires you to be separated. And watch this. It says his character is separated. His character is sacred. His character uh, uh, is consecrated. So now, listen, listen to me. If we're declaring that we have the character of God, then that means you can't run with everybody. You can't be in everybody's yard if, if y'all get the cliche that I'm saying because many people want to have running buddies versus run with God. Because, see, in that, if you're, if, you, if you're going to declare and you understand his nature and his character, then he says, you can't run with everybody to run with me. The only others that you can run with are those who are like me that have separated themselves. See, now, now this may be an aha moment for somebody that's listening because it may be something that may cause you to grit your teeth right now. Because in the comfortability that you have had with being with anybody and everybody, then what happens is you taint the name of the Lord God that's on your life. You are tainting the character of the Lord God because now you're blending, you're mixing. And I believe according to the writings of Moses, when it came to the Old Testament, he already forewarned us about mixing. He already forewarned us about hybridization. And see, understand, if we are going to be consecrated unto the Lord, if we're going to be separated unto the Lord, then uh, uh, in this, it, it, it becomes the introductory of what's the reality of his name or character being on your life. Mm -hmm. 
See, consecration or separation is not just about an event that occurs. Consecration or separation, i.e. being holy, is the introductory or the doorway of his character being significant and recognized in and on your life. So this, this, this is what we touch about being holy. This is what we touch about being set apart. Now, even as I say that, if I may, let me take you to the Old Testament to give you a look from both covenants. Amen. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 2. Watch this. Even by Old Covenant, in Leviticus 19, verse 2, we're still talking about the nature of being holy. The nature of God or the character of God about holiness. Verse 2 says, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel and say unto them, Ye shall be holy. For I, the Lord your God, am holy. Okay. So watch this. this. This begins to give us a revelation because some that may be listening are probably saying to themselves, uh, unless they're astute to the word, word of God, well, God is the only one that's holy. But yet here by the word, he gives a charge to human beings to be like him. See, I said this earlier today and I'll say it again. You are meant to be a reflection of him in the earth. You are not supposed to be a reflection of your vanity mirror, what you want to see, what you want to dress up. You are supposed to be a reflection of him in the earth. I like how one former archbishop that I knew at one point in time, he was teaching on the Ark of the Covenant. And in the teaching on the Ark of the Covenant, what was very significant or very profound is he said something regarding the mercy seat and the angels that were put on the mercy seat of the Ark. And what was very profound is the fact that he said that the, the, the Hebrews that manufactured the Ark, when it came to making the two cherubs that covereth, both cherubs were made from the same piece of gold. Now think about that for a minute because watch this. Be it that they were made from the same piece of gold, they were supposed to be a reflection of each other as the mercy seat. So there is meant, when two comes together in agreement, there is supposed to be a reflection of each other. I, I hope I'm ministering to somebody right now that you're grabbing this. Holiness is about you being able to be a reflection that you can meet and come together as one that has been separated from everything else. Hopefully somebody can get a hallelujah out of that. Amen. Can I touch something else on that with holiness? In the book of Isaiah. Let me go to Isaiah here quickly. In the book of Isaiah, 
chapter 57. Hopefully this is good food for those that are listening. In Isaiah chapter 57. I think it's verse 15. It says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. Watch this. Whose name or whose character or whose nature is holy. Now I like how the prophet introduces this verse. He says, Thus saith the high and lofty one, watch this, who inhabits eternity. And in, in articulating his inhabitants of eternity, he tells you his character is about holiness which yokes itself to eternal existence. See, this, this is why, hopefully this is hitting home for somebody who's listening, who, who may not have valued holiness or, 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 or being separated or being sacred unto the Lord. But the thing is, it is a characteristic that is associated with eternity. It is a characteristic that is the doorway of separating you from being part of the whole. Many want to be part of the majority versus be in the minority. And, and the reality of it is that according to the kingdom, what gets you in the majority of eternity is you operating in the minority of the temporal. Hello, somebody. Hello, somebody. And the, the, the rest of the verse says, I dwell in high and holy places. Listen, listen. I dwell in high and holy places. So that becomes inclusive of a soul that takes on the attributes of the character of being holy. Because he says he dwells in holiness. So when you take the nature of of being sacred, of being separated. He says, this is what is lofty unto me. And not only do I dwell in a high place, but holy things dwell in a high place with me. And I will dwell in those things that are holy. Hope this is resonating. All right. He says, with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So, so watch this. The character or the nature of the Lord God that you accept and begin to pursue and live in. Watch this. It becomes the catalyst of even your ministry in the earth right now. One of the most profound things that you can be able to do to assist a contrite soul. To assist and revive and yet be in humbleness is based upon holiness being in your nature. This ain't Eliotology. This is Godology. This is, this is scripture. Amen. Let me give you something else. 
about the Lord God in this. And something else about his nature that I would like to touch to also expound upon is that his nature is not to do wrong, to do wickedness, or to lie. Turn with me to the book of Job. Technically, this is the oldest book of the Old Testament. It's actually written and gives a record before the Torah, the books that Moses gives us at the beginning. But in Job chapter 34 and verse 10, let us extrapolate something here. The scripture says, therefore, hearken unto me, mean to, to listen with the intent to take action. Ye men of understanding, ye people that have knowledge, far be it from God that he should do wickedness from the Almighty, that he should commit iniquity. Now listen, listen what the writer says regarding this nature of, because he not only says wickedness and iniquity are not in the nature of God, he even implies it's far from God. It's nowhere, and, and that implies, if we may put in layman's term, it's nowhere in the mindset of operation for the Lord God. That right there is a characteristic or a nature that's probably deep for us because nobody can say that those things don't automatically happen within your finite mind on a day-to-day -day basis. As, as a human being in these earthen vessels, we are very quick to have a wicked thought and we're very quick to perform acts of iniquity. It's just in our, if we may say, our, our carnal nature that those things are automatic in us. But yet when we get after the character of the Lord God, those things should be fleeting thoughts from who we are becoming because we're maturing in, in being spiritual beings and digressing in being carnal or natural. But notice this, it says it's far from the Lord God to be wicked, all right? And in that, let me even articulate this because many of us uh, will automatically package wickedness to the acts that we perform, amen? But the, the, the Hebrew word that's used here is resha, R-E-S-H-A, and resha means more than than wicked in our activities, it associates itself on a deeper note as to being wrong in our morals, wrong in our ethics, all right, wrong in our agenda or intent. So the Lord God is far from being wrong or erred in his purpose or intent or agenda with anything and everything that he does. Now, 
Also, with committing iniquity, we're speaking about evil things manifesting or the acts of doing evil or worthless thinking for those things to manifest in this reality. So the Lord God does not have the intent for not only to think wrong, but also the intent to do wrong, i.e. outside of what his character represents. Amen. Let me give you all something else. Turn with me to the book of Habakkuk. In the book of Habakkuk, I want to bring something else to your attention that yokes itself to the nature of the Lord God. And what I want to bring to your attention is the purity of the Lord God, the pureness of his nature. So, so in this, in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 13, Habakkuk 1, 13, the writer says, Thou art purer eyes than to behold evil. The prophet is speaking in regards to the Lord God. Don't, don't, don't confuse who's, who's being talked about and who's being talked to. The prophet says, Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Now remember what we just read about the Lord God as we looked in the book of Isaiah, or excuse me, in the book of Habakkuk chapter 1 about his holiness. Amen? That, that he's far from wickedness and iniquity. Now, here is a whole nother prophet that is speaking to the nature of God that's still along those same lines. Because see, watch this. When it comes to the nature of God, what's very profound about him, he's like a train. And the reason I say that he's like a train is as some of us remember as little kids, conjunction, junction, what's your function? Even though I'm saying that, grab, grab what, what I'm trying to get to you. There's an engine of power that pulls all these boxcars that are connected. Amen. And so in that, in the reality of the matter, as we continue to exhaust what is the nature of the character of God, it's not just a steam engine going down the tracks. There's boxcar after boxcar after boxcar that contains the conceptuality of his different variations of character. And so if I'm looking for the train, then I have to look not only for the steam engine that's pulling it, I have to look and see what are the boxcars that are coming behind it before we get to the caboose. So, so as I use that analogy, hopefully those that are listening to me can gravitate to the fact that when it comes to the character of God, it's not a one-stop one, one shop. 
There's many pieces that are coming, one behind the other, and they're all connected. And it means that all of them are to carry you from one destination to another. If somebody's really getting a revelation in this, there's so much of his character that there's many pieces to it. But when we really get on the train and begin to go from boxcar to boxcar, there is so much revelation and illumination to the different characteristics of God, but they all are meant to get us to the same destination. So now, as, as I say that, and I carry you here to Abaca, chapter 1, verse 13. Once again, y'all should be having an aha moment in making the connection. He says, thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, or to look at, or even process to discern uh, worthlessness, wicked activities, and cannot look on iniquity, the actions that are carried out. Wherefore, lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he. Now, in that, as we look at this verse, I want to direct you back to one of the most profound words that is being used by the prophet to characterize the Lord God. And it says you are purer. Now, what are we talking about when we use this term pure? Amen. The root of that is, is the word pure, which is tehor in Hebrew. Now, pure, watch this. It's kind of deep because it means to be clean both physically Morally, ethically, and spiritually. Okay. Think about what I just said here. The characteristic of the Lord God being pure covers a vast spectrum of areas. Spiritual, physical, moral, ethical. So that means this, when I assess and I begin to understand the character of the Lord God or his nature as to being pure, amen, my pureness to duplicate or replicate him cannot be one dimensional. Mm -hmm. Are y'all hearing me? Mm -hmm. Because really, let, let, let me clarify why I'm saying that. Some people think because they look clean, they clean. Even if they dirty on the inside, as long as everybody else sees them clean or sees them pure, then that's the reputation or the character that many people deceive other people with to make them feel good about themselves. I, I'm just being real. So, so in that, if I am understanding and zeroing in on the nature or the character of God in pureness, then I, I believe it's like Paul says in the New Testament, let a man examine himself. So that means we need to really examine what pure means to us 
versus what pure means to the Lord God. And based on this, it has some aspects to it that if I'm going to work on being pure, if I'm going to work on being in the nature of the character of God, of pureness, it's not a, 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 a one track uh, a process. There's the other attributes or characteristics of pure as being in his character or nature that I got to look at. So that means it's more than my physical. I got to look at what my spiritual look like. It's more than my spiritual. I got to look at what my ethics and what my morals look like. Because those have to be unified in order for pureness to be the real character that I've got in my life that duplicates or replicates what is the character of pureness when it comes to the Lord God. Hope somebody's getting it. Hope somebody's getting it. If I may, let me touch one more character of the Lord God. And this one is probably the deep one because this, this characteristic or nature of the Lord God, some people put their own definition to it. And it either caused them to grow in flaw or error or it causes them to cause others to fall away and the one that I'm referring to is being perfect turn with me quickly to Deuteronomy chapter 32 in Deuteronomy chapter 32 Verses 3 and 4. The scripture says, Because I will publish, and as we say, publish, the, the, the word there is kara, which really means to declare, to proclaim, to speak, to recite. So the word says, Because I will declare or publish or recite, the name or character of the Lord. Ascribe ye greatness unto our God. Which credits greatness to the Lord. Amen. Verse 4. He is the rock. His work is perfect. Paul's right there. It says... He is the rock and his work or his profession. Watch this. The eternal lifestyle that he displays is perfect. Now watch this. The, the Hebrew word that's used here in Deuteronomy is tamim. Alright. Now, tamim means entire or complete undefiled without blemish without anything missing without anything broken amen it's a completeness so the scripture says his work 
or his lifestyle, which is his nature, is a nature of completeness. It is a nature of not having error or having flaw or a nature that fix broken things to make the broken things complete or healed. Now in that, what does the verse say in conjunction with that? It says, for all his ways are judgment. And as I've articulated for some that have been under the sound of my voice, the judgment of the Lord God is not a negative sentence that's given to you like we think of in the courtroom. The judgment of the Lord God is him giving ordinances or governances or laws in order to correct what is errored or flawed. So in this, to stay in uh, unity with what his name represents, his character represents, now we can have an aha moment why he's perfect. Because as a perfect God or a complete God, he has the capability of fixing anything that's broken to make it back in a complete state. That's why he is the creator and we're the created. Even though we are created, his perfection is meant to fix us so that we don't have any errors or cracks or breaks in us. But yet it, it, it is done through us being in his character. See, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to see yourself getting fixed if you're not pursuing his character for the fixing to occur. Many people want to be fixed by the Lord, but the thing is, have you even asked yourself about his character so the fixing process can begin? See, that's why, as I said here earlier, conjunction, junction, what's your function? Now you can begin to see, wow, it's significant for me to have holiness because it's a doorway to me being in a place of getting perfect. Because when I get into holiness, which is what his name or character represents, now I'm inside of him so that he can fix me. Let me give you let me give you one more. If I if I can carry you to the New Testament, I want to marry this thing together in Matthew chapter five. In Matthew chapter five, we're still talking about the nature of the Lord God or his character of being perfect in Matthew five forty eight. In Matthew five forty eight, the scripture says. Be ye therefore perfect, all right, which notice as it says be ye, it means to exist as. Mm -hmm. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your father, listen, listen, it, it makes the connection. Yeah. Ah, you be perfect as your father is, which is in heaven, who is perfect. Mm -hmm. All right, now you can begin to quantify how you get there because you're being told to be like the father. Now, as I just gave you the characteristic or the nature of the Lord God imperfect, watch this. When you look at the word perfect here in the New Testament, in the Greek, it comes from the word teleos. And teleos, once again, means to be complete. All right. It means, watch this, not only to be complete, but your completion based on being matured. Let me say that again. Completion 
based on being matured, based on going through a process of evolution, evolving, finding that there are some things that on your journey in your life that get broken or get scarred, but yet have the ability to be repaired and yet have the ability to, to, to be fixed and established and have aging brought on a, uh, uh, because people that have been around for a minute, anything that ages rightly, it develops character. And so when I age right and get fixed right, now at the end of my journey or at the end of my process, I am like my father because in that I understood the process of my life is based on upon perfecting due to the fact that it means things have to be fixed in me in order for me to mature or age right. And the Lord God establishes that for us to be in his character. But we have to understand that based on understanding his character or nature so that when his character or nature is being applied to us, we can understand the process and not get out of the process before it's complete. Amen. So with that, I'm going to conclude right there on today. I'm going to stop right there. I pray this has been uh, some profound information for each and every one to digest regarding uh, the purpose of divine character so that it blesses you and hopefully assists with maturing you in the things of the Lord God going forward, especially as we continue on this journey to exhaust all these different attributes of divine character. Amen. Amen and a man as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming i wish i had used indeed if you need to hire you need indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster and indeed doesn't just help you hire faster 93 percent of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.